1: what is up welcome to another edition of the nfl fantasy football show it's me your man mg marcus grant and your Ronin, uh variants you know neo in the matrix you know the whole deal at this point uh Joined, as always, by producer Justin, Michael F. Florio, which, uh, Florio, I don't know if we've talked since uh, the whole thumbs down thing. (laughs) Javi Baez, but I think it's Frankie Lindor now are giving thumbs down to Mets fans. Um, As somebody who doesn't have a stake in it, I am amused. You are a Mets fan. I would imagine you don't feel quite as amused by this thing. Um, Part of me... Like I'm not a, a fan who likes to boo my own team's players,
2: so I understand that the players are like, "Hey, we don't like getting booed by our home crowd. It doesn't make us play better." But at the same time, you cannot boo the fans back. Like they pay <laughs> to watch you play. You have been in the worst stretch of the season, and especially Javi Baez. Like Javi Baez came here like two weeks ago. They've done nothing but lose, and he's a free agent at the end of the year. That's really going to make the uh, the Mets want to retain you. I-, I don't get it.
1: it's 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 amusing um you know and i also think it's funny especially you talk about javi bias he's been there for two weeks like a lot of those fans have been there for life like they have been through a (laughs) lot of pain uh you know so like your little thumbs down thing is not going to really deter them but uh you know good luck Mets to always
2: be the story, even when they've fallen
1: out of the Mets. <laughs> right? like they It's so funny. At the beginning of the year, they were so good. And people were like, well, maybe they've turned it around. And now they, they've gone back to being the Mets. And now there's, there's comedy. They're, now they're booing their own fans. That's how <laughs> far they've <laughs> fallen. <followed. laughs> Oh, that is that is entertaining. Um, all right. <laughs> uh, this is not a baseball podcast, obviously. So we got plenty of football stuff to talk about. We'll give you our all preseason hype teams. We're going to give you our guys that we feel like we need to leave every single draft with. Uh, and we're going to give away the Madden Codes. I know that uh, we talked about that on the last show. So we got a few submissions. We'll read a couple of the ones we like. And uh, we will announce who our Madden Code winners are going to be. Uh, but first, we got some news headlines, including... Uh, an eye opener from this morning. And for me, it was literally an eye opener. I woke up, I rolled over as I am wont to do. I grabbed my phone. I opened up Twitter. It is a terrible habit. You shouldn't do it kids, but uh, I am addicted to it. Do as I say, not as I do in this situation. Um, The first thing I see is a tweet from Tom Perez, saying that the Patriots have cut Cam Newton. He is no longer a new England Patriot. Uh, obviously, that means Mac Jones is now your starter in New England. Certainly, this one caught everybody by surprise. These subsequent reports have been that some of it has to do with Mac playing so well in the preseason. Some of it has to do with Cam not being vaccinated, already having this time, and the fear that they could uh, be without him at some point or maybe even have to forfeit games if an outbreak were to occur. Um, that is a whole different set of circumstances that really has nothing to do with your fantasy team. What does have to do with your fantasy team, though, Florio, is Mac Jones now being the starter. And are you interested in drafting him at all? And if so, where?
2: Uh, I think Mac Jones is... Better for the pieces around him, but I think that Cam Newton would have been the more useful fantasy piece if he was the starting quarterback, if that makes sense. I think mm-hmm. Cam, what he did last year, that the 12 rushing touchdowns, he had the third most rushing yards, that adds points with his legs, which is very valuable in fantasy. Mac Jones is not that style of quarterback. He is not going to run like he can move around a little bit more than I think he gets credit for, but he is not gonna add a whole lot of rushing yards with his legs um so for me for fantasy I understand why the Patriots would be excited he's looked really good in preseason I think he could be Bill Belichick's like new Tom Brady I say that in quotes not (laughs) saying he's gonna become the goat and win seven chips, but he could operate a similar style of offense but with that being said for fantasy I think that he is purely just like a low-end QB2 I I would rather have I'm going to say our boy now, Marcus, Sam Darnold. I would rather have Jameis Winston, who you know we love on this podcast. And I I think Mac Jones for me slides in right around where I had Zach Wilson, which means in a one QB league,
1: I'm really not that I'm not going after him. So, okay, so now obviously in the in the AFC East, Josh Allen is now your dean of quarterbacks. Right. Which I mean, you know he's not that old but he is the, the the longest tenured starter in the AFC East. You got Tua, Zach Wilson and Mac Jones as your other three. Uh so you basically just said you're putting Zach Wilson ahead of Mac Jones. Where does Tua fall in that group for you?
2: I like Tua a good amount. Like for me Tua is a high end QB2 and what I've been doing a lot this this draft season Marcus is if I miss out on the elite quarterbacks the top 6, you know, the the ones that are great with their arms and legs, then I will take you know, either a Ryan Tannehill, a Matt Stafford, a, a Trevor Lawrence, Jalen Hurts, someone like that, and I like to pair them with a QB two with a lot of upside. And my targets right now tend to be Tua, Justin Fields, or Trey Lance. Is that second quarterback that really could push you over the top? Because to me, I don't really see the point, you know, especially in like a one quarterback league of drafting like a Big Ben or a Matt Ryan or a Derek Carr as a backup. Like, yes, they're they're safe and they're kind of stable. But if I'm taking a second quarterback, I want it as someone that has the upside of being a QB one. And I think Tua with the pieces around him and, and being healthy now from this hip injury, I think that he fits that
1: mold. Yeah, I I have been a fan of Tua this offseason, and you know I, I know there are a lot of people out there that feel like he's just kind of meh. Uh, that after what they saw last year, just feel like he's not the guy. I'm I'm willing to give him a shot. Uh, you know, after the injury, now with the as you mentioned the other weapons that they've got there, I, I sort of like Tua this year, and and I don't mind having him um, as a second quarterback. And this is weird. This is a year that I'm drafting second quarterbacks. The last few years, I have not drafted. Uh, a second quarterback, you know, in one QB leagues, but this year I'm I'm doing it, and uh, I'm getting some of those upside guys that that you talked about. Um, you also talked about how this move makes you a little more excited about their pass catchers. Does this mean you're you're more in on you know, say a Jacoby Myers or, or somebody like that now? It's interesting because the one thing that
2: Cam Newton was doing in
1: preseason
2: was just locking in on Jacoby Myers and throwing to him wherever he is on the field so i think he actually is the one patriots pass catcher that this doesn't really boost a whole bunch not saying it lowers him either but i think he kind of stays status quo whereas i i really think this is a huge plus for the running backs especially like someone like james white uh in the passing game because cam newton marcus we know it when he felt the pressure he would tuck and run. Whereas Mac Jones is going to look to scramble and just find the closest target. And that's more often than not going to be James white. I also think this really helps Johnny Smith, who is someone that I've been excited about because we hear it a lot, right? Like a, Rookie quarterback's best friend is their tight end, just that safe target over the middle. And I think Jonu Smith could provide that, especially in the red zone. Uh, I think that he has a really good chance of leading this team in touchdowns. So of all the Patriots pass catchers, he's actually the one that I am most interested in for fantasy, mostly because he's a tight end.
1: Yeah, I've, I've started to get on on board Jonu Smith's training. Like I I was wavering back and forth and people would ask me who I liked better between Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. And I would tell you like, you know, it depends sort of on the day. Um, but but watching a little bit of the Patriots so far in the preseason, it, it is interesting to see how they've used John and how they're scheming to get him open, how they're just trying to get him the ball and basically just trying to get him in space and let him use his athleticism to sort of make plays happen. And So that that sort of gives me a little bit more confidence that if if I'm going to take a shot at one of those two tight ends, it's going to be Johnu. I think Hunter Henry will be fine. I just feel like, you know, Jonu Smith has uh, a little more versatility in, in how they can use him in that offense. That's sort of what I like there. Um, now that Cam is gone, and you mentioned the 12 rushing touchdowns he had last year that led the team, um, where do all the rushing scores come from? I mean, does it just does it, does it fall to Damian Harris? Does Ramondre, Ramondre Stevenson really become LeGarrette Blunt 2.0? I mean, where does this all go now?
2: My guess is it goes to Damian Harris, but Stevenson is also a huge factor there as well. The guy is built like a bull, and we saw him in the preseason. He can punch it in with the best of them. So Damian Harris last year struggled. I know he only had four attempts inside the five-yard line, but he struggled to turn those into touchdowns. And I think if he struggles early on this year, then we could see them pivot to Stevenson. Um, You can never discount what Bill Belichick is going to do with his running backs, but this is obviously a huge plus for all of them who can get those goal line touches. Because last year, Cam Newton had more touches inside the five-yard line, more carries, I should say, than all of the Patriots running backs combined. So he was actually, I believe, top five in total carries inside the five-yard line last year. That, that was just what they would do. And I'm someone, Marcus, I said it last week on the podcast that even if he didn't get the starting job, I thought he could have came in off the bench when they got near the goal line, similar to a Jacoby Brissett or Taysom Hill. But now that that's all alleviated, we know it's going to be Mac Jones's <laughs> job and the running backs are likely going to get those touches inside the five yard line. So I think you have to feel better today about both Harris and Stevenson than you did yesterday.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, interesting to note that between Cam being gone, Sony Michelle being gone, uh, and look, I know Sony Michelle wasn't necessarily a huge factor, but that is thirteen of the team's twenty rushing touchdowns from last year uh, that are no longer in the building. I mean, that's a pretty significant number. Now, granted, you know, twelve of those belong to Cam, one belonged to Sony Michelle. It's sort of like, <laughs> it's sort of like the night, you know, or sort of like the fact that uh, you know Hank Aaron and his brother combined for like seven hundred and fifty-eight home runs. You know, whatever whatever the number is, with most of them so, coming from Hank.
2: Sony Michelle is the the dude in the group project who just shows up on the last day and gets the part, <laughs> gets the grade. That's it. Right.
1: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, but yeah, I think that that does open up a lot of opportunity for those running backs. I was starting to really get more excited about Damian Harris too, and I think I think your point is is valid that um, this means potentially more opportunities for him down near the goal line. Of course, now that I say that, it's going to be the Ramondre Stevenson show. I just know that. Um, <laughs> Other running back news. This one uh, of the more unfortunate variety uh, we saw over the weekend and it was confirmed earlier this week, JK Dobbins is going to be out for the season with a torn ACL. Uh, he took a helmet to the knee on Saturday against Washington. Um, so it's uh, just unfortunate for him. I know that you know, he was hoping for big things. The Ravens were hoping for big things and, and certainly we hope he's uh, going to be back soon and, uh, and healthy and ready to go for next year. Um, I had made no secret of the fact that I was on the Gus Edwards bus, right? I was, I was enjoying paying a low fare on the Gus bus. Uh, I thought he was going to have a big role in this offense, regardless of, of Dobbins status. And so that's, that's who I was tending to draft. Obviously the discount is now gone with Gus Edwards looking like the starter and the guy who takes over the lion's share of the opportunities there. So now knowing this, how high do we have to reach you think to get Gus Edwards? Uh, probably
2: higher than I am willing to do. Uh, (laughs) I think that he is, I have him as my RB 19 right now. And I've seen some people say RB 15. Some even say his ceiling is higher. I have a hard time saying that his ceiling is too much higher than like RB 15 or so, because he's not going to catch a whole bunch of passes. It's the same concerns that we had with JK Dobbins. And I had Dobbins around RB 17, 18, um, I think Gus Edwards, listen, Marcus, I was with you. I was on the Gus bus getting him in, like, the ninth, 10th round. So all of the, the shares I already have of him that I've drafted at that discount, I'm satisfied having him at that price. But when he starts going in, like, the 3rd the or 4th round here, to me, I feel like you're getting closer to his ceiling. There's still the same concerns, like, with the pass catching. We know Lamar is still going to take a lot of the rushing work for himself. Plus, there's going to be a second back involved. Right now they're saying – Tyson Williams is that guy, but I also would not be surprised if we're starting to see a lot of cuts. There's still some big-name veterans out there who haven't gotten signed yet this offseason. I would not be surprised if Baltimore brought in another back, but for me, I think you're you're pushing Gus Edwards closer to his ceiling now, so I'm still just going to be taking RBs early, and in the third or fourth round, I'll be taking either one of the elite tight ends or I'll be getting my receivers at that point.
1: Yeah, third, third round feels very early for me. And I, like I said, I like Gus. Um, and, and look, John Harbaugh made no bones about it when asked. He said, "Look, we're we're going to run multiple backs. He's like, we want to have two or three guys back there. And I don't even I don't even know if he was including Lamar Jackson, right? Because if you have three running backs and Lamar Jackson, uh, then that's going to be really frustrating." Um, So I I do think we're going to see somebody else step in there. I don't know if it's Williams. Justice Hill, I think, is still on the roster as of now. So he's another guy that that is a a candidate to take some of those carries. Third round feels really early for Gus. If I can get him in the fifth, I'm okay. I mean, does that is fifth round a little bit better for you
2: yeah fifth fifth would be okay for me especially if he's then my rb3 like let's say i have two running backs two receivers and i'm like i'm all right i'm cool taking the upside shot there on the ravens lead back but i i think if i've i've seen him go anywhere from three four five the later the better for me and the, the later the better the chances of me getting him are but i've seen him go ahead of like josh jacobs and as as much as I've been off of Josh Jacobs, I I can't take Gus Edwards over Josh Jacobs.
1: Yeah, that one seems uh, that's a little spicy for me. <laughs> and then you're right, I have not I have not been on Josh Jacobs at all. I think I drafted him maybe in one or two spots, but I don't know that I could let him go after gus edwards and feel good about it um so i don't know it's going to be interesting though because the ravens are still going to be one of the run heaviest offenses in the league so we know gus is going to get plenty of opportunity Uh, i also found it interesting that you said you've got gus at like RB 18 or 19 and you had JK Dobbins at like 17 so um, obviously you're not expecting much difference in terms of of the usage and the potential production there so that's I think good to know
2: the the only thing I will say is I think that JK Dobbins because he's the more explosive runner while I didn't love him because of his pass catching woes, I think his ceiling is still higher than Gus Edwards is even as the lead back because he's just the more explosive runner
1: yeah, I think that's fair too. And I think that's, you know, obviously that's why the Ravens are going to make Dobbins the lead back. And uh, Edwards is kind of the, the 1A or 1B or however you want to describe it there uh, in Baltimore.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
1: The Jaguars finally decided to name Trevor Lawrence their starting quarterback. Surprise, surprise. Uh, And once they did that, they took the guy who was in the, quote unquote competition with trevor lawrence and traded him away for a sixth round pick gardner Minshew is now in philadelphia which was kind of a head scratcher i think when everybody saw it like wait so you told us on you know whatever wednesday or thursday that uh, he was very much in the competition to be your starter and now you're giving him away for like a bag of skittles uh explain <laughs> that to me um but now he's in philadelphia i mean does this change how you feel or how you're drafting jalen hurts at all
2: No, it doesn't, because I'm someone who had been in on Jalen Hurts. Marcus, he's in my top 10 quarterbacks. I think the upside that he brings with his legs is a top five fantasy quarterback. And my approach with him has been, if he is anywhere close to as good as I think he can be, this doesn't matter. He is not going to lose his job to Garner Minshew. The one thing I will say, though, is I think it shortens his leash a little bit, because the, uh, the Eagles are a team that have two, potentially three first round picks next year. if Carson Wentz stays healthy this year. So that means that they have the draft capital to go out and get a quarterback next season. So I've been thinking that they need to see, have a full evaluation on Jalen Hurts by the end of this year. Like they need to know if he is their guy or not. So my thinking was, what do they benefit by playing Joe Flacco over him? Like if they're losing with Jalen Hurts, good continue to lose with Jalen Hurts because then (laughs) it's going to help your status in the draft but if he's playing well you're obviously going to leave him in but with a young quarterback like Gardner Minshew I think if things do really get ugly we could see a switch later in the year but again if Jalen Hurts plays as good as he is as we think he can it won't matter and if he struggles Quarterback is the easiest position to stream off the waiver wire. So I'm cool taking that shot on Hertz still.
1: Right. And I think that's for me, that's sort of where I sit right now. If he's playing well, then, you know, Minchu obviously isn't going to see the field and you're going to feel great about Jalen Hurts as your fantasy quarterback. If he is playing that badly that Minchu's going to get on the field, you're benching him or dropping him anyway. So uh, at this point, I think nothing for me changes about him. I'm still taking those shots. I love being able to get him, say, in the ninth round. Uh, and look, I, I have a couple teams where he is. My primary quarterback, I do have some insurance behind him just in case. But, you know, I feel okay with that because I think I think the upside, as you mentioned, is certainly there. And people, you know, when the news broke, I had a couple people ask me, like, does this worry you about Hurts? I was like, "No, not really. Like, I don't I don't think they're bringing in Gardner Minshew to be the starter. Um, And like I said, if if things get so bad that they feel like they need to put Minshew on the field, you're probably cutting ties with him in fantasy anyway. So, uh, you know, it's interesting. I just think it's mostly a uh, Urban Meyer trying to uh you know flex a little bit when nobody when people just don't understand. Like there was no there was no point to flexing over Trevor Lawrence. Like nobody believed that Lawrence was never it was not going to win that job. Like um, so why? Y-
2: yeah, like nothing good can come. Maybe it's a non-factor and and Lawrence is as fine is fine, but no literally no positive can come from giving Minshew snaps with the ones all summer and making Lawrence compete for a job that we all knew we had
1: (laughs) right Uh, yeah I mean you know that's sort of that that, that thing works in Columbus and Gainesville and stuff like that it's not the same in the NFL whatever Um, so the Niners on uh, Sunday went with kind of a two-quarterback rotation Uh, they went there were some plays I think where they had Garoppolo on the field for one play and then the very next play Trey Lance on the field and they were kind of going back and forth with quarterbacks Uh, somebody asked Kyle Shanahan whether or not they would actually run a two QB rotation. And as Kyle Shanahan is wont to do, uh, he sort of was coy about it. Didn't necessarily give any insight one way or another, but at least the rumor is out there. The speculation is out there that this is a thing the 49ers could do. We've talked about this Florio in terms of the Saints and Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. Uh, we had talked about it in terms of the Patriots with Mac Jones and Cam Newton. Obviously, that's not really uh, going to happen at this point. But um, is this the wave of the future or is this just that we have a couple of, you know, maybe coaches that think outside the box that are willing to kind of play with our heads right now?
2: I'm hoping it's the latter for fantasy purposes, because <laughs> if this is the wave of the future, man, you're going to have to start. Marcus, this is the answer for how to get quarterbacks properly drafted. We have the good ones be the only quarterback out there, and the other ones are in a rotation. (laughs) This would be awful for fantasy because Trey Lance is someone that we know, Marcus, many people are excited about for fantasy. But if he's in a rotation and – and we saw both of the touchdowns were a rushing touchdown by each quarterback this last game. Like Something like that makes this so unpredictable that I don't think either Jimmy G or Trey Lance would really be trustable for fantasy purposes. So I'm hoping that this is just Kyle Shanahan doing what Kyle Shanahan has done since pre-NFL draft where he just lies about everything and doesn't <laughs> give us a bunch of half-truths. But if this, is, if this is the case for fantasy, I don't think either one of them are really startable.
1: I know that's that's sort of the frustrating part. I mean, I I think that in the short term, it gives Trey Lance a little bit of a value boost. I mean, you know, him playing gives him more value than him not playing, but it will be incredibly frustrating if this is how it works. Uh, And you're right. If this actually were to catch on, um, then suddenly Patrick Mahomes in like the second or third round feels great. Like it feels that almost feels too low. If we have a bunch of quarterback rotations and Mahomes is your uh, workhorse quarterback. Sounds weird. (laughs) Um, You
2: you know what's going to happen, though, right, Marcus? If this is a rotation, like people are going to bench Trey Lance and then he's going to have a game where he rushes for like – 80 yards and a touchdown, and then everyone's going to get him in their lineup, and he's going to score like three points the next week,
1: right? Because the next week it'll be the Jimmy G throws for like 275 <laughs> and three touchdowns sort of week. So, yeah, that's that's going to be miserable. So let's let's hope that doesn't happen. Um, yeah. Uh, speaking of which, I know a lot of folks are doing their fantasy drafts in the next week, probably over the weekend. Uh, we still have a whole other week uh, of of dead period before we actually get into the season. But anyway. If you are looking to dominate your fantasy leagues this season, you can check out the Fantasy Draft Spectacular presented by Sundayticket.tv. It's Adam Rank, joined by a whole host of experts. Plus, me and Florio are there too, some NFL legends, celebrities. It's a two-hour special to break down this year's top players, breakouts, rookies, sleepers, and more. You can catch out the Fantasy Draft Spectacular live today today being Tuesday. Uh, 5 p.m. Eastern in the NFL Fantasy app, NFL app, NFL.com and YouTube. So by the time this is out uh, and you're listening to it, the Fantasy Draft Spectacular might be airing in those places. And if you don't catch it live, uh, it will be available on demand in all of those same places. Probably YouTube will be the best place to find it on demand if you want to do it there. But it's a lot of fun. Uh, I was in there. I talked rookies with Rank. Uh, Florio, I know you and Kimmy Chex did a mock draft. Uh, I think Tori Holt is in there. Um, I remember Work Dunn, I think, is another guy who, uh, who stop by to say hello so it's a lot of fun check it out uh, if you get a chance um, all right uh, now that we have reached the, the end of the preseason uh, I don't know what we call what do we call this dead week Like, because this is new like we've never had this before like we need a name for it because it's not really the preseason but it's like the not the season like can I say it's the, yeah can I say it's the t- for the uh, the NFL season can I say <laughs> that Probably can get bleeped out whatever <laughs> Um, (laughs) so anyway that being said uh, we came up with our all hype preseason team we uh, each named a quarterback running back wide receiver and tight end Uh, there were some guys that I felt like there was only really one real answer and you will figure out who those guys are Uh, so let's start your all preseason or your preseason all hype team quarterback who is it it's
2: Trey Lance someone we were just talking about and The rookies are really getting hyped up this year, but none more than Trey Lance. Like you're seeing people say this guy, the minute he becomes a starter, he's like I said, I think Justin Fields is a top 10 fantasy quarterback when he becomes a starter. People are saying Trey Lance, top seven. Some are even saying he could be a top five fantasy quarterback as a rookie. Look, I love Trey Lance. I said I've been targeting him as my QB two in a lot of places, but the hype, Marcus, you're a 49ers fan. You know it. The hype has not stopped for him.
1: It has not stopped at all, and he's my he's my guy too. Um, I really did. I tried to look and see if there was somebody else, and you know, I thought, well, you know, maybe Tra- maybe Jalen Hurts, but you know, I, I think I think the hype is sort of you know mellow for him. I think people have expectations. Uh, I, I just don't see any way around it. It's that it's, it's not Trey Lance. Maybe Justin Fields, but even then, uh, Matt Nagy has sort of stomped on that by repeatedly saying Andy Dalton is his starting quarterback. Um, yeah, I, I mean, like. Trey Lance is going off the board in drafts before guys that we know are going to start 16 games. I mean, you know, I, I, I say what you will about Ryan Fitzpatrick. We know that he's, he's going to be the week one starter. And as long as he doesn't you know, blow up too much, he's going to start, I say 16, 17 games. I got to get that right. 17 games uh, this season, as long as things don't go sideways. Same with Tua. I mean, this is the guy who's slated to be the Dolphins starter all year long. These are guys that are going after Trey Lance, and uh, I haven't seen the top five hype. That, that blows my mind because as much as I like him, um, that, that's a bridge too far for me, I but think, I do think he's that guy.
2: You, I've seen some wild stuff on fantasy Twitter this summer. Man,
1: um, this also goes to the fact that like we, we, we have too much to do. And too much time, or I guess not enough to do in too much time. So then we end up with uh, some really wild, that's, man, that's, that's going to throw me off all day. That's wild. Top five. <laughs> um, running back, your, uh, your preseason, all hype running back. Who is it? This one hurts me,
2: Marcus. Cause you know, I love this guy and it's also Neckler. He is someone that I liked last year a lot. And I like. I, I still am cool taking him as like, you know, a fit sixth overall pick. But, like, you have to pay so much higher price now because everyone loves Austin Eckler. The last couple of months, I mean, you can't open up Twitter without seeing someone say something good about Austin Eckler. I mean, I've done two drafts this week alone where Austin Eckler has gone fourth overall both times to Adam Rank. I (laughs) shake my fist because he, he knows I love him and he doesn't let me get him anywhere. Uh, but I think what's even hurt him even more, Marcus, is Austin Eckler's on Twitter now embracing fantasy football, giving away signed jerseys, doing hosting a fantasy show. So yep. with all that said, I think it just it's made Austin Eckler like an even more cool, trendy fantasy pick. And now it hurts, but if you don't have a top seven, eight pick, you might not get him. Whereas just a couple months ago, you were able to get him at the back end of the first, maybe even early second round.
1: Yeah, he's one that definitely I think that you know. I won't say the hype's overblown because I think he's going to be really, really good this year, but it has driven up the draft price quite a bit. And I know Adam rank has taken him a couple of times just to, uh, see if he can throw you off your game. Uh, I know that's been part of his strategy, but he's, he's one that, uh, I think a lot of folks love this year, by the way. Um, as Florio mentioned he really is embracing fantasy and he's doing shows I know he's doing a show with our friend Liz Loza over at Yahoo Uh, I've seen him on any number of different podcasts and that sort of thing please be kind please be please be nice right at some point it is probably inevitable that Austin Eckler is going to have a bad game he's going to have a down week it happens to literally everybody do not come for him right like This is sort of a thing that we would love. We would love for more players to sort of embrace the game, embrace what we do, be a part of it, be interactive, be engaging. Um, This is an opportunity for us as, you know, fantasy football fans to kind of, you know, maybe get a little bit of an inside peek and, and, and draw somebody else into the tent. So please don't blow this. Don't, don't, don't act like an ass if uh, Austin Eckler has a bad game because you know these opportunities are rare. So let's let's sort of embrace it for what it is and not uh, and really I'll it. say
2: this, Marcus: if he has a bad game, feel free to send me all the nasty messages to someone go. <laughs> who has hyped him up. Let's leave Austin alone and let him enjoy being in the fantasy space.
1: There you go. There you There's your there is your outlet there. Uh, so that <laughs> yeah, so so now you can get those and you can get it when uh, the Pro Football Talk guy makes a take that. that uh, <laughs> It makes everybody upset too. You what have I done? Beware. <laughs> <laughs> um so mine actually I you know this forgot mine. Mine is Najee Harris, who uh I think we we sort of like from the moment he got drafted, but the more we have seen him in the preseason and the more we have seen the way the Steelers plan to run uh, their backfield situation. Uh, it just gives me reason to believe that that he's I mean, we've seen his ADP shoot up. I'm really surprised that he hasn't crept into the back part of the first round. I'm still seeing him a lot of times kind of early second round. I really thought that by the time we got to this point in the summer, we would be talking about Najee Harris uh, somewhere around 10, 11, 12. That hasn't quite happened yet, but I do think the hype is really, uh, really big for him, partially because. He's a he's a new workhorse that we've sort of added to the mix. We want as many of them as we can get, and especially after last year when we saw the Steelers have to use multiple backs, whether it was James Conner, uh, Benny Snell, a whole bunch of different guys, kind of getting opportunities. This looks like it's going to be the Najee Harris show. As long as he's healthy, he's going to get a ton of work. Uh, people keep kind of mentioning Le'Veon Bell. Um, at least in terms of maybe usage perhaps that's what it is they're definitely different players but you know we could see that kind of workload for him uh and so he's the guy that, that i'm sort of leaning toward i like him i I'm, and I'm glad to get him in the second round because i really did think we'd be talking about him as a first round guy uh by this point in the summer um your wide receiver who is your, your all hype wide receiver
2: Mr. C.D. Lamb, another player that I have been really high on. And, Marcus, I don't know if you remember back to when we were doing, like, way too early ranking videos in, like, January (laughs) and February. Um, I had C.D. Lamb as, like, my wide receiver 12, and I actually had him ahead of Amari Cooper. And people then were saying, like, oh, that's a hot take stuff. Now, not only is it the norm, C.D. Lamb is routinely going as, like, a top 10 wide receiver. I'm seeing him go ahead of Allen Robinson at times. And to me, I, I love C.D. Lamb. I just can't take him over someone that I know is going to get around 150, maybe even more targets this year. Whereas Lamb still does have Cooper and Gallup there. I, I know the excitement and it, it especially was getting a lot of hype uh, the first like couple of weeks of training camp when this guy was going out there and making like ridiculous video game style catches every day. And it just <laughs> felt like a new clip was coming out. And then – We have him on hard knocks, which only (laughs) adds to the hype. I mean, C.D. Lamb's hype train has not stopped at all this summer.
1: No, C.D. Lamb from the beginning. I mean, he was the guy that I think everybody was pegging to have the huge breakout season in that Dallas offense. And you're right. I mean – I feel like the first day of training camp there was a video about him like making a, a stupid one-handed catch and like the rocket ship took off and you're right it has not slowed down ever since then the hard knocks bump is only is only like, helping or hurting depending on how you want to look at it <laughs> uh you know it, it's only helping that value to go up right now I, I want to go Brandon Ayuk um just because I think the you know, the conversation at the beginning of the offseason I think was who would you rather have Brandon Ayuk or Debo Samuel. And then I think once the consensus sort of shifted toward Ayuk, then it became, well, okay, well, now where do you have to draft him? Um, and it started as kind of a mid-round thing. I think it's sort of settled in the fifth round. That that feels about where it's it sort of stopped. But I think, you know, at, at first there was sort of a battle, like, are you, you know, which side are you on? Now I think everybody has sort of uh, kind of, Gravitated toward Team Ayuk, and I think there's there's just a lot of excitement about what he can be, even with a healthy George Kittle and a healthy Debo Samuel in that offense. What they can do with Brandon Ayuk, um, and, and how that's going to go. I I'm I'm salty when people grab him ahead of me because I am always like trying to get him, uh and it feels like now it's gotten harder for me to get Brandon Ayuk in drafts because people seem to be jumping on board. So like C. D. Lamb and Brandon iuk are two receivers I'm always targeting. Uh, it's just gotten harder because more people seem to like them, and I don't like that. It's not fun.
2: And to give credit where it's due, Marcus, you were you were on Ayuk before a lot of people, so I know that's your guy. Although I will say, I got Debo Samuel yesterday for two dollars hmm. in a salary cap league. That's I'm winning. cool taking that shot on yeah. Debo. Ayuk went for like twenty.
1: You know, it's funny because I think because we have gone so far towards Ayuk. Um, it has made Debo Samuel so undervalued now. So, like, maybe maybe this is the time. I still have a few drafts left. Maybe this is the time for me to pivot to Debo Samuel just because, (laughs) like, I don't think he's going to be bad. I just like Ayuk a little bit better. But if, you know, if people are going to just, you know, neglect and ignore Debo Samuel, then I will gladly uh, take advantage of that. So, uh, all right. I felt like for tight end, there's probably only one real answer. Uh, We both have the same guy. I will let you say who your your preseason all-hype tight end is.
2: Yeah, there, there could only be one, right? Because we know the elite tight ends are awesome. Yeah, we hype up Kelsey and Waller, but we all know they're great. And then every other tight end, we basically say, why reach on any of them? They're all the same, <laughs> except for the one lone unicorn. The highest rookie tight end ever drafted, Kyle Pitts. I mean, especially now that they traded Julio Jones, I feel like that only threw more fuel to the hype train fire that for Kyle Pitts. And, Uh, We call him a unicorn. We say that he is going to be the best rookie tight end ever. Don't value him as a tight end, value him more as a receiver. I mean, all that alone is stuff that we never say about any other tight end. So, that alone makes him, in my opinion, the most hyped up tight end this offseason.
1: Yeah, he had a play uh, over the weekend where it was kind of like a little, I don't say a screen, but like, you know, they they got it out to him on the sideline and he just just took off like a shot uh, and picked up a huge chunk of yards. And that was, you know, you saw a whole lot of eyeball emojis uh associated with that play and and you're right i mean the i I would say we we, we've set the bar at the moon but that's probably too low like i feel like we have set the bar (laughs) arbitrarily somewhere like around saturn with him um and the expectations are super high i still am nervous about drafting him where you have to get him just because you are drafting him i think at his absolute ceiling and so for that reason i don't have a whole lot of kyle pitts it just makes me really nervous but i do concede that you know the opportunity is there. The possibility of him reaching that is certainly there, and I do think uh, this time next year we will be talking about him uh, among the the elites. I mean, it will be. I think it will go from the big three to the big four next year with Kyle Pitts joining that group. And so I'm I'm very curious to see him play this year. And you're right, no Julio Jones certainly opens some things up. It makes him very, very, very interesting to watch uh, come come this season.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired.
1: next i had the you know the our guys the guys that you have to feel like you want in every single draft so i we each pick three who are the three guys that you you feel like you need to walk away with every time you do a draft
2: for me a lot of it comes down to draft strategy i'm getting rbs early which means i need to fill wide receivers in the middle round so i am shooting for wide receivers that i think have the upside of greatly exceeding their draft costs Jerry Judy is my guy. He is one of them. Mike Williams is another. And then Marvin Jones Jr. I think all three could outlive their ADP. Jerry Judy is coming with a lot more hype now. We all know why he's great. I was speaking up on him uh, last podcast as well. But with Mike Williams, I think that he could be in for a career year. We've seen him post a thousand yard season we've seen him have double digit touchdowns in his season we just need him to put it together and i think with this new offensive coordinator uh saying he's going to play the x in the Saints system and then to me the biggest thing is justin herbert right like he is but williams finally has a strong arm quarterback that could take advantage of his downfield skills no offense to philip rivers that is just not a strength of his like it is for herbert and then with marvin jones jr i think that he could lead this team in yards and touchdowns. I mean, Marcus, he has been a top thirty wide receiver in points per game four years in a row, and has at least nine touchdowns in the three seasons, the three of the last four years that he has stayed healthy. And you get him after Chennault and after DJ Chark. So I love waiting until like the ninth, tenth round and getting Marvin Jones Jr.
1: Yeah, I've, I've really kind of you know started to, to pick up Marvin Jones in a lot more spaces just because of that. Like, And, and I love Chenault. I'm certainly not ashamed to say how much uh, I'm a fan of LaVisca Chenault, but um, everything we saw so far this preseason suggests that Jones is going to get a ton of targets. He might end up getting maybe the most targets on this team. Um, and, and right now, you're right, he's coming off the board really, really late. Also in an offense that's Going to be throwing the ball a lot. I mean, you know, the Jaguars are going to be losing a lot of games. Trevor Lawrence is probably going to throw the football a lot, and I think you know now with Travis Etienne unfortunately out for the season, um, a lot of those easy targets are sort of gone. And so maybe that means some more downfield throws to, to Marvin Jones. That'll be interesting. Uh, also, like the Mike Williams thing. Um, I really think an interesting sort of stack is maybe a Justin Herbert Mike Williams stack. I know it's I know the targets aren't going to be there on the same level as as for Keenan Allen or Austin Eckler. But I think you know the big playability and and maybe the touchdown upside for Mike Williams uh, makes it kind of an interesting uh, interesting stack to put together. It's probably easier to get than a an Allen Herbert stack <laughs> is the other part of it too. Um, my three guys, Gus Edwards, who we talked about earlier, that gets a little bit harder obviously now with the ADP going up. Uh, if, if he's still there in the fifth round, though, I still think it's worth the shot just because. He is the lead running back in what is probably going to be the run heaviest offense in the league, and so I think it's worth trying to get a shot at him. It was especially great when you know you were still able to get him in like the ninth or tenth round, but even now I still I still want to try to get Gus Edwards as many places as I can. Jalen Hurts, another one. Um, you know he's got that upside, but he's still sort of going a little bit later in drafts. You're not you're definitely not having to draft him where you're going after a Kyler a Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, even you know a, a Justin Herbert, somebody like that. You can still wait a little bit longer. Get a Jalen Hurts, get that upside. And if you don't feel confident, just go and draft a second quarterback later on in the draft uh, and just have that insurance just in case things don't work out as planned uh, with Hurts. But I think the, the, right now the risk in drafts, uh, is a lot less than what the potential reward is if he plays the way we think he can play uh, in 2021. And then my third one is I'm on Ross Saint Brown. I have said it all off season long, how, how much I'm excited about what he can do uh, and what his place is going to be, <clears throat> excuse me in this uh, Detroit offense. That only gets bigger, I think. Uh, Prashad Perriman got released. Um, it's you know the, the Lions decided pretty early that, that that was not going to be the answer, so they let him go, and this just seems to solidify St. Brown as the number two target behind TJ Hawkinson in that offense. And again, an offense that might not be super great, but they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. They're going to be playing from behind, um, and if he can be sort of Cooper Cup or Cooper cup light. Even um, there's a lot of targets coming for Amon Ross St. Brown and the draft capital. I mean, it's next to nothing. You could probably wait till the 13th, 14th round and get Amon Ross St. Brown and uh, you know, and prosper. Hopefully that's the plan. I'm
2: all about that pick Marcus. I I like St. Brown a lot and I'm not one buying into this preseason narrative that the Lions' three-receiver set is going to be Williams, Cephas, and Khalif Raymond. Like, I think Amon <laughs> Ross St. Brown is going to be in, at the very least, in three wide receiver sets as the slot receiver. And I agree with what you said. I think that he could be like a poor man's Cooper Cup for Jared Goff in this offense.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, it'll be interesting. His brother is a free agent now. uh, uh got released by the Packers this morning. So uh, maybe there could be a St. Brown reunion in Detroit. They, Who knows?
2: They have a, a younger brother in college still, they, Osiris. They're one of yeah, they're one of the most interesting they have to be the most interesting family, not just in football, maybe in all of sports.
1: Yeah, they uh the, the Osiris is a receiver at Stanford, I believe. Um and yeah, he's still in college. Yeah, the, the thing that always amuses me about them is that the kids are all named Saint Brown, but their parents are just Brown. Um the, the parents it, added the Saint part, I guess, to give it a little more panache i'm not really their, sure their
2: dad I, I had to look stuff up about him and their dad said that he um he didn't believe that his kids were like ordinary so they didn't deserve ordinary names and that's why they all have like the names that they do which is uh, they speak german they lived in germany for a bit their dad mm-hmm. was like a power lifting champion yeah, like, like they, a mr
1: universe or something yeah yeah
2: they have a really interesting backstory
1: yeah, um, they're, and uh, you're like the
2: ball brothers of the NFL, just not as uh, in your face.
1: Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's funny because they all have very unique names, but their parents are John and Miriam. So, um, yeah, <laughs> go John think. Brown, He's John most, Brown, right? Like, the most generic name, such a common name, just John Brown. He's uh, literally an NFL player with that name. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> not a bad. I feel like we haven't talked about John Brown. Like, have you drafted him? Do you have any interest in John Brown? And oh, this is random. I, I did
2: until Gruden's lately has kind of been saying like he's struggling to crack the starting lineup. Then I've kind of mm-hmm. soured on him. Um, Cause I, I still think they have incentive to get Henry Ruggs involved yeah. and Brian Edwards seems to be in, in really high standing with them there. So I wouldn't be surprised if Brown is kind of a backup option to those two.
1: Yeah. I, I, I think that's probably fair. Um, Yeah, I like John Brown. It just, you know, just really since he left Arizona, it's been hard for him to stay healthy and uh, just be as productive as as he was early in his career. Um, All right. Uh, We got Madden Codes. I announced that last week. Uh, I asked for folks to, you know, give us a five-star review, uh, you know, screenshot it, uh, send it to us, and let us know what system you're playing for. So I've got three right here. Um, And you know what? Let's just keep it real. Uh, I got three. We have two codes. We'll see if we can wrangle a third, and we'll just we'll just we'll cast we'll we'll crown three winners. That that seems fair. That seems fair, right? Seems good to me. All right, cool. Uh, so let's read the three the three here that I like the most. Uh, this one from Kevin Tata. Tata. I'm not sure if I if I mispronounce your name. I apologize, Kevin. Uh, but the five star review says uh, best fantasy podcast. This podcast has kept me fantasy relevant in all of my leagues for over five years. The only season I didn't make the playoffs was the year I couldn't listen and study fantasy football because I was going through army boot camp and job training. Uh, Thank you for your service. Uh, Glad to get back to the podcast. Also, still miss Rank Co and Gelhar though. Yeah. Well, I mean, Rank, we still have around, and he still shows up every once in a while. But Co and Gelhar, yeah, uh, you know, miss those guys. We still talk all the time. Uh, But yeah, that was a good time. So uh, thanks, Kevin. Um, we will get you, uh, your code and, uh, appreciate, appreciate you listening for all these years and best of luck this year. Uh, this one from J doe, uh, J doza 88 on Twitter, best fantasy show ever. What's not to love about these guys? Kimmy checks the most beautiful woman who knows her football, and I mean that with the most respect. Her and her husband make a beautiful couple. Nice save. Uh, (laughs) Michael F. Florio is the man. He knows his sports and and he's got some style. Marcus Grant, my guy, is talent. All the advice he gives is 100. Adam Rank, who can't love this man, funny, funny guy, and a football guru. I mean flattery always works so uh (laughs) that was
2: my personal favorite just yeah
1: (laughs) absolutely flattery goes a long way in this one uh which gets us to the one that i think i liked the mostest um This one from uh, Jacob Brummel says dodging players like Neo in the Matrix. Thanks to MG, my guy, Marcus Grant. For years, I've had a better insight on which players to dodge just like Neo in the Matrix and March Marcus dodging the Delta variant. This podcast will have you realizing just how little you know about fantasy football and how badly you need help on a weekly basis. If you don't listen to the NFL fantasy football podcast, you're essentially a one legged duck that swims in circles. Don't be a one legged duck that swims in circles. Uh, I appreciate that he listens all the way to the end and uh and remember some of the goofy things that i throw in at the end of the podcast <laughs> uh so congrats to all three of you kevin jacob and uh, jay doza we will uh, reach out to you and uh and get you some codes as soon as possible so enjoy congratulations uh and for everybody else uh, appreciate you playing appreciate you listening as well which i guess feels like a good spot to uh to sign off and close this thing up that is it we are done We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, what happens if you take no-dose and wash it down with NyQuil? Be safe, take care of yourselves, get vaccinated, and we will see you on Thursday.